Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This episode is brought to you in part by Noom. Forget one-size-fits-all diets. With Noom, you get a personalized weight loss plan that's tailored to your lifestyle. No food is off-limits. Enjoy your favorites while discovering healthier habits. Noom's users love the flexible approach, blending psychology and biology to help you lose weight in a way that's sustainable for you. And great news for foodies. Noom just released the Noom Kitchen Cookbook with 100 delicious, healthy recipes. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Com. Grab your copy of The Noom Kitchen wherever books are sold. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Friend of a Friend. It's your host, Olivia Perez. Today, we are learning how to work smarter and not harder because we're joined by Rachel Rogers, a business coach and author of the best-selling book, we should all be millionaires. After boosting her business sales from $60,000 to $300,000 in just one calendar year, Rachel set out to create a business plan she could share with the masses with the goal of destigmatizing conversations around money and bringing more access to getting money. Today, she's the founder of Hello7, a multi-million dollar company that teaches women how to earn more money and build wealth. In this episode, Rachel shares her journey into financial confidence and freedom where she thinks millennials, like us, should be focusing our financial energy, and why she thinks saving your money shouldn't be our top priority. If you're interested in joining Rachel's Hello7 Club, it's an incredible club with incredible resources for earning more money. Go to hello7.co backslash friend. She has an incredible offer for you guys. It's an opportunity you do not want to miss. Rachel is a wealth of knowledge, and it was so much fun talking to her. I met her about a year ago for a Create and Cultivate panel, and I was so attracted and captivated by everything she's saying, so take advantage of it. I hope you guys love today's episode. If you haven't followed the show yet, find us wherever you listen to your podcasts, and make sure you follow us, rate, and leave a review. Thanks for tuning in and have an incredible week ahead, everyone. Here's my conversation with my friend, Rachel Rogers. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. It's been a nice, solid year, I think, since we've seen each other. <laughs> Somewhere in there. <laughs> it's a full journey. <laughs> full journey. Year went by a little too quickly for my liking, if I'm being honest. Yes. Oh, it's it's speeding. <laughs> speeding by, flashing by. How have you been? What's going on? How's life? It's very busy. I feel like the last month I've been in an analysis of like, okay, so you can't say yes to everything. So Mm. what are you going to start saying no to? Because it used to be like, okay, say yes to the things that you really want to do. Right. And so that was a good filter. But now there's too many things that I want to do. So I have to say no to things that even that I want to do and be like, what's the best of the best? that you want to do? And also what's the most high leverage activities that you can be doing for the business, for your life? Right. (laughs) You know what I mean? For your happiness, et cetera. Yes, exactly. So that's, it's been, um, I don't know, like an existential crisis (laughs) last month, couple months. (laughs) 
<laughs> but I feel like I'm figuring it out, you know, with the help of a, a therapist, of course. Not a bad place to be in. I feel like getting <laughs> yes. the power to finally say no feels very liberating in my opinion. Getting to a place where I can say, no, that's not for me has been, I feel like a very important lesson that I feel I've learned in the past year just to keep my peace. Exactly. Exactly. And recognizing that you don't have the capacity for everything, even all the great ideas that you have or all the great people you could be working with, you know, and that's really hard to sort through. You really have to do some soul searching and figure out what do you really want? And then what actually, and you have to sort of do the math on like what supports that and what is busy work, right? Or what is otherwise just not the best use of your time. Absolutely. So you and I met, I think it was a year ago. It might've been two years ago. And I just honestly could not tell you, but I (laughs) really loved getting to meet you on this panel. I felt so connected to you. I loved what you had to say for listeners who are a little confused. We met on a create and cultivate financial wellness panel, but I felt so connected to what you were saying. I really appreciated so much of your financial advice and that panel was also super illuminating to me. I remember there was a stat in there that said that over 50% of women will be fully responsible for their finances later in life, whether they're mm-hmm. with partners or on their own. And that includes also taking care of their children. They'll be the breadwinners, full, full, full responsibility for all the things in life. And I thought that was super interesting. I was very fascinated by that. And I just loved your input. So it was so great to meet you. I'm so happy to have you on the show today and to share a little bit of what you shared with me that day. Yes, I'm happy to do it. I think it's going to be awesome. And I'm excited to continue the conversation. And I think it is so true that I feel like as women, we just need to focus on our money a little bit more, you know? It's crazy. Yeah, I I agree. I think, and and I think that that in my generation, I feel like it's changing a lot more, but I still feel like we're not where I want to be, where it's an open, honest conversation and it doesn't feel icky to talk about. Like I remember I was watching, I love David Letterman and- um, I was watching his interview with Kim Kardashian and he was making a joke about, you know, how much she made for a hair uh, like a extension post for hair care, hair extensions, <laughs> yes, which is so funny. That. I'm like, David, what are you doing? And she immediately was like, no, 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 I don't talk about money. Like, I think it's actually like very like rude and like callous. I think she said that. And I was like, you could set such a good example in that moment. But I think that maybe because she just has an exorbitant amount of wealth. But I thought that moment was so interesting and could have been like, Mm. not that I'm asking her to like say how much she makes for posts in that moment, but just to be like, I don't talk about money. I think it's inappropriate. I don't think that that's the bar that I want for my generation or the generation below. No shade to Kim. I agree. I'll throw a little shade Kim's way. I don't mind. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah. the thing it, is, it was an interesting if moment. you're if you're an you're an entrepreneur, you're an example. Right. Why not be that example and why not inspire people? You know what I mean? And I think I think that we're very afraid to talk about money as a society, but especially as women, especially the more money you make, you feel bad for it. You don't make enough money. You feel bad on that end as well. So it's like right. as as with all things, as a woman, you can't win. Right. No, no winning. <laughs> But you're doing the polar opposite. So let's get into what you do because I, I love what you do. You are the founder of a company called Hello7 where you encourage women to go after their financial dreams. Where did your million dollar mission come from? What was the impetus of this moment for you? For me, I think it was just growing up the way that I did with a lot of financial insecurity and just watching the stress of my parents, learning that work was very hard, you know, learning through either babysitting or I had, you know, a wealthy aunt and uncle and you know, just having different exposure, like not in my personal life to wealth, but outside of that, seeing it in other places and just being really in tune that like 
the financial struggles that my family and my parents had, apparently other people didn't have it, right? I knew people who did have those struggles and I had good friends who were in the same boat as me. But then I had friends through school or through, you know, a babysitting job that I had where I was babysitting for a wealthy family, like those kinds of exposures that I was like, hmm, not everyone's struggling with money. So how do these people get money, right? So I became very curious. How do these people earn their money, you know? And I just like, have you ever seen that? I think it's a YouTube channel where this guy just goes to people's doors and knocks like that live in like really nice neighborhoods or have beautiful homes. And he oh just knocks God. on their door and he, he puts it on camera. I love this. I love <laughs> this guy. I think, but I think I watched the guy that does it with cars. So he pulls up next to people in really nice cars and he's like, dude, yes. tell me what you do. Like, what do you do? Yes. Yeah. How do you make How do you this make money? money? Yes. How did you afford this car? <laughs> And I love that. It's like right now we're like June 7th and I'm looking at everybody in Italy and I'm like, how did you afford this vacation? <laughs> I remember being in that exact same place <laughs> where I saw, I remember seeing one of my peers buy a house and then like two weeks later, she was like in Europe. And I was like, how are you doing both of these things at the same time? What's right? Like, <laughs> I just, how do you, the concept of that. So I've always been very curious about how do we not be, how do I create a situation where I am not in this financial situation as an adult and where I can take care of my parents, right? And so that was sort of, that started exploration that led me to going to law school, which I also felt fit my personality and my interests. And so, yeah, I was just trying to go down a traditional pathway of building financial security for myself and for my parents and my family before I had children, you know, like the people up, not the people down generationally. <laughs> yeah. And that once I started on there and then just became committed to it and focused on it and grew over time, let, that led me to entrepreneurship. I read the Far Work Week while I was still in law school and decided to start trying entrepreneurship after I graduated from law school. And that's how I started on this journey. And then once I figured it out for myself, I wanted to create that pathway for others because I felt like no one was giving financial advice who looked like me, right? Like who was a person of color, who was a woman, who wasn't an older white man, right? Who's straight and cis, right? So like, I'm looking for somebody who looks like me. I basically made it from scratch. And so if I can do it, I know other people can do it. And I just want to give them the formula so that it's easier for them. We'll be right back after a quick break. You guys know how much I love my puppy Bodie. And as a new dog parent, I am always looking for solutions for him to make sure he is always feeling his best. I just started using a dog food called Sundays for Dogs, and I noticed such a big difference. His energy, how excited he is when he eats, and I wanted to share it for all my fellow dog parents out there. Sundays for Dogs was founded by a vet who wanted to find the best food for her dog. And dogs love Sundays for Dogs because it's an air-dried jerky that tastes and feels like a treat. Lucky Bodie. It's fresh nutrition that is just as easy to feed as kibble. But it's actually healthier than kibble and easier to prepare than home-cooked foods, too. Bodie and I are always on the go, so I love the fact that I don't have to carry kibble with me. It's only made with whole, all-natural ingredients and zero synthetic or artificial ingredients. So I love knowing that he is just getting the best of the best in every meal. Sundays is over 90% fresh meat, organs, and bones, so dogs love it. In fact, in a blind taste test against the best-selling premium dog food, dogs preferred Sundays 20 to zero. Sunday's food is also 40% less expensive than most brands at just $2 a day. Just go to their website and you can customize your plan in just 60 seconds. You'll enter your dog's name, dietary restrictions, preferences, and they'll concoct the perfect recipe for your furry friend. I can't wait for you guys to try it out. So use my code below. Use code friend at checkout for 30% off your first purchase and free shipping and a 100% back money guarantee. 
Visit sundaysfordogs.com backslash friend. Now let's get back to the show. I learned that only 6% of women earn six figures versus 13% of men earn six figures, Mm -hmm. which is absolutely startling to me. That's almost double. And 6% feels incredibly low. What was a moment Mm -hmm. for you? And I think that obviously every person has this moment in their life. What was your moment of really understanding the importance of money? Great question. I mean, there have been several. There have been times where, you know, the one that really shifted things and within that year, I went from 60 grand to 300,000 earning, you know, how much I was earning was when my daughter was one years old and I had a check. This was like one of my first corporate clients in my law practice at the time. And I was waiting for a $5,000 check. And that check meant that I could sign her up for this childcare. And I had put her on the wait list. Her name came up on the wait list. I had to pay it like that day. Otherwise, we were going to lose her spot. And I was like every day waiting for this check to come in the mail. I'm like, please, God, let this check come. <laughs> so it comes on the last day. Wow. Like, this, So this is my last chance to get her into this daycare. Right. So I take it to the bank and the bank's like, OK, we're going to put a hold on it because it's an out of state check. And I was like, oh, you can't put a hold on it. Like, I need it today. So then I had to sit there and wait to talk to the branch manager. And then the branch manager and like, you know, the the other banker are like, you know, leaning over the you know, the computer screen, they're obviously looking at my account, going through my transactions. I'm like mortified about every purchase I've made in the last month. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, why did you buy anything? Why did you eat fast food? Why did you whatever? And so I had to wait for them to approve it and prove myself. And I mean, I was like in whatever I was going to run errands. I was like in sweatpants and a cheat. I didn't look like a lawyer. So anyway, and, and I was also pregnant with my second child at the time and trying to get you know, my kid into this daycare so that I could work so that I could, you know, increase my earning potential and take care of my family. So anyway, they approved it after I was sitting there literally sweating, like the tears getting, you know, burning in my eyes. I'm trying to hold them back so that I'm not crying in front of these people. But I left there really feeling humiliated and sitting at that desk waiting for them to either approve it or not approve it. I was just like, I am never, ever putting myself in this situation ever again. There will never, ever be a time where I have to wait for an old white guy who doesn't know me to judge me worthy, right? And that is directly affecting what's going on in my family. Never, ever. I was just like, never, ever again. And so I left. I went and cried in my car. I went <laughs> I went and paid the daycare. And then I went back home and I was like, yeah, it's on now. And I just got really, really focused. And from that year, I went all that fear that I had about, oh, I'm scared to put myself out there. I'm scared to ask for the sale. I'm scared to make this product or service. I'm scared that people will reject me. It all fell away. I'm just like, nope, I got to get this money, (laughs) right? Like I got to take care of my children. Exactly. And so from that year, you know, in my law practice went from 60,000 to 300,000. Okay. How? (laughs) (laughs) Because I'm, I know everyone's listening being like, okay, how? Like, tell me how. <laughs> tell me how. I mean, obviously, guys, sign up for her class. Go on and, and like do the actual <laughs> things. But give us the cheat sheet. Yes. Well, for that year, I mean, what I did was one, I started hiring help. I started looking for help. So I hired like a virtual assistant part time just to respond to potential clients faster because I was really slow to respond. And I just really wasn't, to be honest, I just really wasn't I was kind of like, ho hum, I'm doing it and thinking I was doing all the things and thinking I was working really hard and thinking I was hustling. I wasn't. That wasn't hustling, right? That was trying things and putting myself out there a little bit, but still being timid and still being scared. 
And I just went into beast mode and was like, do you want to work with me? Let me put myself out there. Let me do some webinars. Let me do more videos. Let me do more social media. Let me go to all the networking things. Let me meet people. Let me ask for the sale. Right. And I just got really intentional about my actions and about doing money generating activities every single day. Right. As an entrepreneur. And then the other thing is I had this idea for like a year to create because at the time I'm a lawyer. Right. And I'm a lawyer for a lot of millennials who are starting their first business. Right. And so a lot of them couldn't afford me. Some of them could because they were either venture backed or they had some investment or whatever. They had some capital like from severance because this was right after the 2008 recession. Right. So this was when a lot of people lost their jobs and they were taking their severance pay and they were starting businesses. And so, you know, those were my clients. Right. Some of them and some of them couldn't afford me. And so for all the people who couldn't afford me, I was like, you know what? I could actually write all of this down and give them contract templates and give them the step-by-step on how to form their LLC and give them the step-by-step on how to protect their copyrights. And I could just teach them for a lesser price than actually doing the work for them. And so I just, I, I had that idea for a long time, but that year I decided to actually execute on it and make it happen. And so it took me a couple of months to pull it together. And it was like a 250 page guide with templates and wow. cheat sheets and videos and audio and all this stuff. And so I created that and that generated $80,000 in the initial launch. And I would have never known, right? Like I, it was just an idea in my head. And I was like, I don't know if it'll work. I'm scared. It's probably going to suck, <laughs> you know? <laughs> but then when you really want to do something and when you really want to make money, you're just like, you know what? Let me go for it. Let me try it. Like forget all of the fear. So I think what it boils down to is being super intentional about how much you want to make and figuring out what is the what is the formula? How many clients do I need to get? How many people do I need to talk to every day in order to get that number of clients, right? Getting, doing the math is one and being intentional about it. And then also, you know, taking a chance on your ideas. We are probably all sitting on a million dollar idea right now and just too scared to, to jump or we think it's not good enough. We don't believe in our own abilities. And so I encourage you to believe in your abilities and just try it. Even try the low hanging, few, what, what is the minimum viable product, right? What is the minimum viable version of that, you know, and just try it and see what happens. Like if you're thinking about becoming an entrepreneur, just, just try, you know, selling like an hour of your time, giving advice and see what happens, right? Like sometimes we just have to take the first step, dip our toe in. And we realize we're so we're capable of so much more than we think we are. I love that. And I think that's a hundred percent true. There are so many things that I've tried that haven't worked. And when you are an entrepreneur, you are doing it on a public scale. You're doing something for other people. So that that, that insecurity really is a huge thing. It's ego, it's pride. Yes. It's not wanting to put yourself out on a limb out of the fear that other people are going to judge you. And I had a hard time with that, especially becoming an entrepreneur in college when I was really figuring out who I was. It was a tough one to get over. But once I got over it and once I was just kind of ready to do my thing, it really felt like such a game changer for me. Once I kind of like shed... Yes. When, the minute that you're able to kind of shed the other voices in your head yes, is to me so crucial. So it is crucial. so crucial. It truly is. And I, I think to, in order to get to the other side of success, you have to, that is the thing you have to overcome is being so worried about everybody's opinion, you know? Right. I was talking to, I think we were on, oh no, I was listening to Aurora James speak on Earth Day. And she said something that really resonated with me was that, the day that she came up with the 15% pledge, it was the week that George Floyd was murdered. It was a Sunday. She was sitting at home thinking just like you were, very mathematically, not emotionally, mm -hmm. incredibly mathematically about what she can actually do to increase spending dollars on Black-owned businesses. 
And she came up with the 15% pledge. And she said, if I had called every single one of my friends and told them my idea, the 15% pledge wouldn't exist. So true. I'm that way. I'm a big sharer. I like to share with my friends and get feedback. And I think that's something we hear all the time is, you know, talk to people, get other ideas. But sometimes I think those things, if you really feel it and you really believe in it and you know that it's going to work and you've done your game plan, as you've just said, I think that there's something really important to sticking to your own guts. Yes, for sure. I have to tell you, I was in a leadership team and it doesn't, this does not change. So I just want to say that this is a skill that we have to continually hone, listening to our own brilliance and ideas, right? And hearing ourselves think. But I was in a leadership team yesterday with the leaders on my team at Hello7, who are all brilliant, all super smart, all great at what they do. And I pitched them on an idea that I had been thinking about for a lot. And it's like just a, a transition or a slight change to the mastermind that we run. And it's also shifting the price significantly as well in the process. And they all looked like, I don't know about that. <laughs> you know, like they all were giving me, mm, you know, like we don't want to discourage you, but we don't co-sign that. You know, they were all a little bit shook. And I was just like, you know what? The fact that y'all, you are all shook actually makes me feel more confident in it. Right. Because right. <laughs> it's just like, yes, I, ha- I want to have the audacity to really go after my ideas and try it. And I'm also willing to fail publicly. Like that's just part of the journey. You know what I mean? Like you win so much if you are willing to fail publicly. We'll be right back after a quick break. While we're on the subject of finances and best money tips, I want to introduce you all to Upstart. If you're an entrepreneur, student, or anyone for that matter, we all know that saying goodbye to high interest credit card debt is one of the hardest things to do, but also one of the first steps towards financial independence. But that interest month after month can really feel like you're in a never ending hamster wheel. And like we've discussed in this episode, building abundance and gaining financial freedom is one of the most important things we can do. That's where Upstart comes in. Upstart powered personal loans can help you pay down high interest debt all online with simple and easy to understand payment terms. Whether it's paying off credit cards, consolidating high interest debt, or funding personal expenses, Upstart can help you get one fixed monthly with a clear payoff date. Upstart knows we're also more than just our credit score. So rather than looking at our credit scores alone, Upstart's model considers other factors like our income, employment, and other information provided in your loan application to find you a smarter rate for your loan. You can check your rate in minutes for loans between $1,000 to $50,000 without impacting your credit score. You can even receive funds as fast as one business day after accepting your loan. Upstart has helped over 1.8 million customers on their path to financial freedom. So don't wait and check your rate today at upstart.com slash friend. That's U-P-S-T-A-R-T dot com slash friend to check your rate today. And don't forget to use our unique URL to let them know that we sent you. Loan amounts will be determined based on your credit, income, and other important information you provide in your loan application. Go to upstart.com slash friend. Now let's get back to the show. I loved when I asked you about how you went from 60,000 to 300,000. The first thing you said was that you brought on a virtual assistant. And yes, that has been pivotal for me recently. I just brought on an assistant and I cannot co-sign that even like even more, even if it's something that, you know, you have to take a little bit of budget away from something else to make that happen. There is so much in my workflow, like so much busy work, emails, editing videos, editing content that is off my plate. And it has been so liberating to be able to work on the things that I really want to. So I definitely co-signed that tip. There was something else that you said that I love that you put out in the world so frequently with your work. Within Hello7, you have club members who get 
obviously more access to you and your advice and more financial tips. And I read something on your website recently that you guys have a 10-day money-making challenge. And you said that your club members earned almost $3.5 million as a community in those 10 days. And you brought up earlier that, you know, during those first few days as wanting to go from 60,000 to 300,000, you were engaging in a money-making act every single day. What do those habits look like? Yes. So they look like one, asking for the sale. If you have something to sell, putting yourself, emailing at least one person to say, hey, would you like to hire me? Here's how I can help you. Here's the problem that I solve. Right. Pitching yourself. And that's big, a money big one. generating activity. Huge. Big one. Like I cannot. It's the most tell. important one. You know, and I think people get really lazy with pitching. I cannot tell you. I do a lot of like side mentorship. I have a lot of friends that come and ask me for coffee about like how to build a brand online, how to work with other brands. I do it with a lot of college students. And the one thing that I always, always tie it down to is build a one pager on who you are, what you love, what your skills are and pitch yourself at least once a week. Like even for me with the show, like I am pitching at least three times a week. I have at least three hours a day where I'm just sending pitches out, sending ideas out and putting myself out there and getting myself on someone's radar. Yes, exactly. Even if they say no, like I recently, we're shopping a TV show right now, which is Ooh. very exciting. We'll see what happens. But I spoke to like a very high profile black celebrity who has a production company and was interested in my show. And we had lots of discussion. There were several meetings and they ultimately passed on the show. But I'm like, but they know who I am now. Yes. You know what I mean? Like if there's something else that comes up in the future where they need a co-host or they are looking for a certain thing, they know I exist. To me, that is a win. I take that as a win that they took the time and that they were interested enough. To me, that tells me, okay, I have a great idea here yes. because they were interested enough to have several meetings with me about it. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And so like, I think we have to understand that pitching is not just about getting the thing that you it's want. Sometimes not, yeah. you will get it. Yes, but, but sometimes it's just letting somebody know you exist. And then if you have the opportunity to meet them in person or something else comes up, you just never know what rooms your name might be spoken in if you are willing to put yourself out there and start building those relationships. And it can start as simple as sending a cold email. That can be the beginning of it, right? But it doesn't need to be the end. We have actually, when we do um, the 10K in 10 Days Challenge in the club, which we actually, it's happening this month. Oh, so cool. it's very exciting. We did the kickoff yeah. yesterday. Yes. So it's so amazing to see and all of the messages that come in. People are so hype and the stories are incredible. But one of the things that we have them do is something I saw on the internet. I don't know who created this. I'm not the author of this. I saw an article years ago about the like rejections challenge, right? And the goal was to collect like a hundred rejections, which means like you have to pitch yourself enough to collect a hundred rejections. And so some of the folks who were doing the 10K in 10 days challenge last July when we did it, they were like, okay, I'm just going to put myself out there. And my goal is just to collect a hundred rejections. And by the time they got to the 20th or 30th rejection, they had so many people hiring them that they actually had to stop because they couldn't pitch themselves anymore because they were at capacity. Right. Because wow. along with those rejections, you actually get a lot of people who say yes. Right. right. And so you wind up getting a lot of yeses, but you have to increase the chances going back to math of you getting those yeses and the way that you increase the chances is by having more pitches going out, right? Putting yourself out there more. I think everybody thinks that like, oh, I just want to be discovered by like doing videos on social media every day. And that's great. And listen, nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with webinars, nothing wrong with any of this digital marketing strategy, but there's just a tried and true way of putting yourself out there and asking the direct person who you want to work with, 
you know, for the sale. Like there's, there's just no replacing that piece of it, you know? And so that's one of my favorite things to do. I think I've heard it also called spearfishing, you know, just like calling or DMing somebody and saying, Hey, this is my offer. I'd love to work with you. Let me know if you're interested. And then the other benefit is too, you get amazing data. Cause if they say no, you find out why they say no. And then sometimes you can change your offer or change. Yes, exactly. Now you know how to serve that client better because they've told you why it's not working for them. Is there something, since you work with so many entrepreneurs, I'd love to hear a perspective on where you think that entrepreneurs should be putting a lot of their financial energy. Like what should we be focusing on as young entrepreneurs? Yes. I feel like the main thing is freeing up your time because in the early days, you are your best employee. And so as much as you can free up your time so that you can do the most crucial work, that is key, right? And so that can include hiring a virtual assistant, right? But it can also include just putting better boundaries in place. That friend that calls you, that always has drama, right? Wants to talk for three hours. Yes, tell her, listen, I love you. I'm sorry you're going through this. I can't talk to you about this right now, right? I'll talk to you another time and hanging up the phone, right? Right. (laughs) Like we all have those people in our lives who take up our time. People have an agenda for what we should do with our time in our lives. And we have to learn to say no. And I think that's one of the best things that you can do. And this is all part of being a leader, right? Is telling people hard truths, like enforcing your boundaries, really prioritizing the time that you want to spend on your business or whatever your career, whatever moves you're trying to make, prioritizing that time and not letting anyone take it away, no matter what dramatic thing they want to bring to you. Right. And I'm not saying be a terrible friend or family member, but I think we all know the difference between somebody who really needs us in a certain moment and someone who just always has drama that they're bringing to us. And it's not just that, like for the mothers out there, it's like, oh, the PTA or volunteer for this or, you know, you know, the other, you know, family members. For me, it was like a family member who would constantly drop their kids off. And I'm like, I love these kids but I also got things to do and I got right. my own kids to take care of and I can't, right? I can't be your free babysitter. Like you need to hire a babysitter. You Absolutely. Know? <laughs> I think like, listen, I'm not mad at saving money. I'll negotiate things. Like I'm okay with saving money. I don't think that's a bad thing. But I think that whenever we're worried about money, our first thought is let me save money, right? So let me cut out conveniences. Let me get down to just the bare minimum in my life. And I actually want us to do the opposite. I want us to think about how can I earn more? Where, where is there earning potential in my life where there's opportunity that I can earn more to cover this increased expenses or to create a little bit more financial margin so I feel a little bit more secure, right? So I want us to start thinking that way. And that's what Million Dollar Decisions is really about, making financial decisions that push you towards abundance. So if you're thinking like, should I invest in this course that's gonna teach me how to do this thing that I think I'll be able to make money from? And some people will say, oh, it's too expensive. I'm too scared to spend that money. If I had more saved, then I would do it right? But that could potentially be a broke ass decision, right? If there's a huge upside on the other side and you really believe in it and you're excited about it, walk towards abundance rather than walking towards scarcity. And that is what I feel has led to me becoming a millionaire, right? It's not, it's not from saving money. I will tell you that like there was never going to be, a, a, no, there was no amount of saving the little bit that I was earning that was going to make me a millionaire, right? right. And I mean, over 40 years, maybe if I put it all in the stock market. Yeah but I don't want to wait 40 years. <laughs> you know what I mean? I love that. I'm impatient. I want it now. <laughs> it's true though. Cause I feel like all my generation, I, I feel like my generation kind of lives in a slightly fearful, like a constant state of financial anxiety. You know, we grew up in the great, in the recession. Like, you know, we've just kind of had that embedded in us. So I think for me, all I've ever been raised with is save your money, save your money, which yes. I'm very proud. I'm very good at, but 
lately I've also been doing what you're saying, which is like leaning into that abundance a little bit, going after those bigger jobs so that I continue to, I would rather think positively than constantly feel that restriction. And I think with that freedom, I'm more creative. I'm pitching myself more. I'm putting myself out there more. And I'm, I don't want to say manifesting, but I'm, I'm inviting those bigger things into my life versus thinking small. Exactly. And then what I want you to do is like literally at the end of the year, just assess, okay, what million dollar decisions did I make this year? What decisions did I make that felt like a risk where I made an investment and I put myself out there in a way that I was scared to financially? And then at the end of the year, look at that year versus the previous year and say, did I earn more money as a result? Right. Right. And actually do the math to see on your past decisions. Did they actually, because when I do that, like one of the scariest things that I did in the last like two years was make investments in real estate that I really was like, can I even afford this? You know, like it was terrifying to me. And I made those investments. And one of those pieces of real estate is now worth literally double. And we're talking about values in the millions. Nice. And I was just like, wow, that decision that I almost backed out right before the closing and had to book a coaching call with my one of my good friends to be like, coach me on this. Am I bugging? Like, I I can't even hear my voice because I'm so terrified. And then I, I went through with it and it was scary. And it is probably going to go down as one of the best investments I've made this decade because the amount of return that we have seen on it, you know? Got to put yourself out on a limb a little bit. Sometimes yeah. you have to be willing to take risks. I'm not saying take every risk. I'm not saying send yourself into the poorhouse. I'm saying take calculated risks, right? Especially when you feel very invested and very passionate about it. I love how much I've heard you say how often you ask for help. And I think that that's... Yes. That feels so crucial to so much for me. You can't do it alone. You really can, even in this moment, like getting with your life coach, being coached through it, hiring that assistant, like all of those things to me feel so crucial to your journey here in terms of just mental sanity, making a game plan. And I love to hear it. I think because I've just had to so often that I've become very comfortable. And now it's a way I start my day. Like it's one of my million dollar habits. I call it the daily seven, these seven different habits. But one of them is every day I look at my schedule and I'm like, what can I delegate? You know? And so I say to myself, this meeting that's on my schedule, do I have to go to that? Or can I rely on, you know, my program director to go to that meeting and report back to me? Or I can just tell my program director what I wanted to make sure we got, what what we need to get out of that meeting and she can handle it. I think when we don't ask for help, it's all ego. And it's just like, let it go. Let go of your ego. Let go of the idea that you can do it all by yourself. I have so many people who are, most of my listeners are in their 20s and 30s. And I find that to be the most complex time financially. I don't think that as we're younger, we are, you know, not well equipped, but I don't think we're eager to share our finances with each other. I don't think we're, you know, jumping at, you know, at a coffee meeting to talk about a financial issue we're dealing with. I think when you're younger, it's definitely challenging. You're fresh out of school, kind of trying to get your footing. And I would love to hear what your best piece of advice is for, you know, people my age in terms of talking more candidly about money and creating community around it. Yes, I can. I remember I'm not there anymore, but I can relate to that because I I remember being there still viscerally. I remember going out to dinner with friends and like, you know, you know, I'm trying to keep my order like under a certain price point and other people are ordering all kinds of stuff. And I'm just like getting more and more stressed and starting to sweat as I think about the bill coming. 
And then the bill comes, everybody throws their credit card down. We're going to split it evenly five ways, even though I ordered one tiny thing to try to stay within my budget. And then everybody's card goes away and I'm just like sweating bullets, like, please, Lord, don't let mine get declined, which it did. There were times where it did get declined and I was mortified in front of my friends. And instead of talking to them about it or saying to them, hey, I've got 25 bucks for this dinner and that's it. So I just want to be honest and let y'all know that like before we even go, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like I could have totally done that, but I was too embarrassed and too afraid, you know, to, to be honest about my financial situation. And so what I would encourage you to do is actually do that. Be honest, exchange information, right? And say, hey, so I just started this new job as an executive assistant or as this job or as what, whatever you're doing and saying, this is how much they're going to pay me or this is how much I'm getting paid. Do you think that's reasonable? Do you like, what are you getting paid, right? And exchanging notes. Are you getting health insurance? Are you getting profit sharing? You know, like, should we try starting a side hustle? We can both challenge ourselves to like start different side hustles, right? Like talk about money with your friends. And one of the best ways to do it is, you know, find a financial book that you're excited to read and read it together. And then, you know, exchange details together. Because I think if you're willing to share it, it was like people telling me what they got for book deals that helped me to know yes. how much to ask for. And, and to say, I'm not doing this book unless you pay me X amount. Like I'll self-publish it on my own. I don't need to have a book deal. So either you're going to pay me this amount or I'm not doing it, right? And I wanted six figures and they came in a little under that. And I was like, no, it's going to have to be six figures or nothing. Right. <laughs> you know? 100%. And I just held my ground. you asked, yeah. And you know. But I felt confident doing that because I had asked. You have all this advice and so much more in your Hello 7 Club. For people who are listening right now that want to join, get to know you more, and have you be a really integral part of their financial journey, what is the Hello 7 Club and how can they get involved in it? Yes. So the club is a community of 2,500 entrepreneurs, all from diverse backgrounds, that are building businesses, right? From zero all the way to seven figures and beyond. We have folks in there who have a $4 million business. We have folks in there who haven't made their first dollar, you know, in business yet. And we give them the pathway, the step-by-step pathway of how to do it. So it's business training that's teaching you how to build a business and the exact steps to take in what order. And then we also have coaching by our coaching team and myself. And then we have community. Like this community is so engaged and so passionate. And when you're like, and this is a constant conversation. Hey, I got this opportunity for a speaking gig. What, what should I charge? Or, hey, I have this corporate client that is, you know, offering X, Y, Z. Is that reasonable, right? We have that conversation about money every day, but we're also talking about how are we marketing ourselves? How are we selling? How are we putting our, our offers out there? So folks can learn more about it at hello7.co. Actually, you know what I'm going to do? Go to hello7.co slash friend, and I'm going to put together a special page just for, just for y'all with Thank some free you. resources. That'd be amazing. And if you want to join the club, you can join the club. Thank It'll you. I really appreciate that. <laughs> it's, I, I, like, I really, really just love everything that you do, and I love the message that you're putting out there. I love the community that you're building. And I can already tell, like, even after our conversation, I was just so inspired to you know, have those conversations with my friends, be more open about my finances, especially as someone who is an entrepreneur doing it on my own. My industry is incredibly new. I've had so many wonderful experiences reaching out to my peers and friends in my industry and asking, hey, how much are you making on this? How much are you getting offered here? Or I I have a friend who does something really similar to me that was making double than me. And I I was so motivated. I was, first of all, so happy that she told me that because I was like, Whoa, yes, there's a whole other world here that I'm not tapping into. Get into that. Yes, and I was exactly just that moment going home that night. I was like, wow, imagine if we were like this all the time. 
instead of so safeguarded about yes. these things. And she was so motivating to me. And I love and appreciate her so much for that. And it encouraged me to be that way with other people. And a lot of that came from you. Yes. So I really, really appreciate your time today and for being on the show and all the incredible work that you do. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Of I appreciate course. you. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Friend of a Friend. Before you go, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and at tiermedia.com. And for more behind the scenes of the show, visit us at friendofafriend.us and follow me at Liv Perez on Instagram. Don't forget the two Bs. See you next week.